Welcome to the Financial Coaches Network, a show to help financial coaches build and grow successful coaching businesses by focusing on the three pillars, getting clients, working with clients, and running the business. I'm Garrett Fulbin. Over the first four years as a coach, I grew a successful financial coaching business to over 80K in annual revenue. And I'm Joshua Escalante Troche. As a tenured professor of entrepreneurship and a consultant, during the past two decades, I've helped more than a thousand entrepreneurs start and grow their businesses. So get that pen and paper ready or open up the notes app on your phone. It's time to build your ideal financial coaching business. Welcome back to FCN's podcast. We have a special guest this week. Ryan Roy uh, has a financial coaching business. Uh, how long have you been doing it? Uh, who is your target market? And how? what's the size of your business? Yeah, so, I, um, so my company is called The Artful Dollar. So we primarily work with artists, creatives, freelancers. Uh, we actually primarily work with tattoo artists since that is my background and that that's really where I did niche down. Um, but we've had um, mo- you know other kinds of artists and creatives. I started my financial coaching journey in 2020 uh, when I had to shut down my tattoo studio for COVID. I wonder why that was. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I had a four month old baby and I had, you know, no source of income for a couple months. And I was like, man, I, you know, all my, my, I was getting unemployment, but I was also renting a tattoo studio. So all the unemployment just went to the landlord of the tattoo studio. It was awesome. And okay. I was just like, I, you know, I've been thinking about financial coaching for a couple of years, actually. And I was like, I'm never going to have another opportunity like this to, do it. So let's, let's do it. And, um, that was when I started. So yeah, I started in 2020, you know, probably like a, a year of like barely even not really having any actual clients, like a couple beta clients. And then, um, things started to pick up. I did work with some coaches, some marketing and, um, sales coaches mm-hmm. and got a few clients. And then now, we are a global financial coaching business. We've had hundreds of people go through the program. We currently have like 60 something people in the group coaching program. Um, and, and we generally have about 20 people join per month. So we're, we're closing 20 new clients a month on average. So a little bit of success. A little bit of success. A little bit. Of yeah. Success. A little yeah. bit. yeah. yeah. So, yeah. I great. remember like the first one-on-one coaching client that I got. And it was like so exciting. And then like that second one, it was like blew my mind that I could like make <laughs> money coaching people and helping them and seeing those results. And then what happened was I started to um, to kind of build a following in with specifically in tattooing and tattooers because there's no other tattoo artist. That's the beauty of niching, niching down is, right. you know, you're the only person or few people in speaking to that crowd. And I, I eventually had a wait list. I couldn't take on any more one-on-one clients. And then I kept raising my prices. And it was like, this is kind of wild. I can't keep raising my prices. And so that was when like, I need to do group coaching. And that was last October, mm-hmm. uh, this past. So not, not even a whole year that we've been doing group coaching now. Um, and it's been pretty successful. Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk about the well, let's talk about what we came here to talk about, right? What, what yeah. our what our post says we're talking about, which is the idea of growing your social audience. 
And yeah. you're going to be doing a much more in-depth training this weekend for uh, members of the FCN uh, launch community. Yeah. 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 I'm excited. Um, I'm really excited. Yeah. For our members. Uh, but today we're just more talking about high level ideas and, you know, concepts. And then uh, we'll talk a little bit about the cha- the challenges and conver- converting people to prospects from an audience. So. Right. Cause it, it's one thing to grow an audience, but then actually converting that audience into clients is a whole other thing there. In my opinion, two totally separate skill sets really. And you got to be good at both of them. So, yeah. So let's talk about how, what types of things did you do to grow a social media audience? Yeah. Um, so, well, specifically social media audience. Um, I mean, one niching down and I know that people, I, I felt like people were berating me over the head with that in the beginning. And I was really afraid to just niche down to tattoo artists. I wanted to just talk to artists and creatives. I didn't want to exclude anyone. Yeah. And I did that for a while. And, and then eventually I, I, a coach I was working with was like, you need to just talk to tattooers, just and eventually you can broaden it. And the minute I did that, it was like putting my thumb on the hose and Mm -hmm. all that energy was just focused towards the ears of people that could really relate to me. And that was when I really started to see my following grow. One of the main reasons that is, and this is a really good key point for people listening to this, is um, the, the shareability of your content. So it's one thing for you to share to your audience, but because of the way the algorithm works, you know, only a very small percentage of people from your audience are even going to see that. But if you're speaking to a very specific avatar and and your message really hits them and resonates, they're excited to share what you shared with their audience because they have friends that can relate versus if you're just speaking just general financial tips and tricks and you know it um it doesn't land as hard for that specific person so it's the shareability of your content because of how niche down and specific your message is as you think about the items that you that you put out there yeah the little content pieces. Um, I don't want to call it content because that suggests like this huge thing or something, right? Uh, I call it, it's all content. Everything yeah. is yeah. content, content, yeah. content, content. <laughs> um, and you think about the ones that, and it could be things that were recent or things from when you first started to build your, your audience. Yeah. And you think about the things that really got shared a lot, right? That yeah. idea of shareability. Yeah. The content that really did well what percentage of people outside of your niche, so outside of tattoo artists, mm. do you think would look at that content and be turned off by it? Oh, so specifically, so there was there was actually one specific post, and I've been thinking, like, man, I got to do more of that stuff. Um, so some of the most shareable content is when you tell a story. Mm-hmm. And that's what I did. I, I shared a story about, I was on the subway and there was this uh, young boy selling chocolate bars on the subway. And I think he was selling them, um, you know, uh, two, or there were two, two bucks a piece, right? And I bought a chocolate bar and I told the boy, hey, you know, if you sold three for five, you would sell a lot more chocolate bars. You'd make a lot more money. And he's like, okay. And he turned around and he said to the guy, 
you know, it's one for two or three for five. And the guy's like, oh, I'll take three. And the kid like turned around and smiled and like, kind of like, you know, that little, like I did it. And I was so <laughs> proud of this little boy on the subway. And uh, I told that story. And then, then I related it to tattooing. I related it to um, how we talk about pricing and how we often undercharge. But if we make our client feel like they're getting a deal, uh, we can actually sell more. We can increase the price or increase the amount that we sell and the client feels like they're getting a deal. And so that was the conversation. But I feel like everyone can relate to that in any freelance. Uh, so it was like the, the story um, could be applied to anything. I just applied it to tattooing. But I, I feel like you can hear that message from any, you know, whether you're a woodworker or a, you know, sculptor or a painter, and you can realize, oh, yeah, I could offer one price for this quantity, and then I can offer a different price for more, and I could make more money. So probably to answer your question, I, I think most, if not all of it, and I've had people message me saying, I love your content. I'm a personal trainer, or we actually mm -hmm. had a, a real estate agent sign up for my course recently um, because they just didn't want to talk to, you know, Chad from Fidelity and a blazer about finances and like, no offense to Chad, you're, you know, that's for certain avatars and my avatars want to talk to Ryan with tattoos on his face. So, yeah. I think that's good because you're not trying to go after those people. Yeah. Right? You don't, you don't care if your content is relevant to them and yet yeah, it still is. It still is. It right? still is. You will still resonate with people because really at the end of the day, like the real estate agent that signed up for my course, like I resonated with her, who I was and the energy I was bringing and the approach to money that I was bringing can be applied to anyone. And so I think also when you're talking to your specific niche, just more of you, more of your personality comes out. And I think that's also a big difference between like a financial coach and a financial advisor, right? Is like, which I actually have a financial advisor license. I was working as a financial advisor, but really the coaching was what I wanted to be doing, what I was passionate about. And, um, you know, that it, it, that's the purpose is you're, you're walking that line of like, there's financial advice, suggestion, whatever coaching, there's personal life coaching, you know, that happens naturally in money yeah. coaching. And so who you are comes out more when you're talking to your target audience. Yeah. When you, what types of things did you do early on to build your audience? Um, so I, I early on, I was really focusing on, I, this is a mistake that I made and I was really, I thought I was doing the right thing. I was really focused on the quality of my posts and I didn't want to overbeat. And I was getting success through doing that. Um, but I realized that I really should have been more focused on the quantity and it was, it felt overwhelming and stuff like that. But I, here's what I'll say. Once I started to say, okay, I'm going to focus, try to post more, post once a day. I, I didn't want to just post just to post. So don't do that. Do, don't really don't do that, right? If you really don't enjoy or feel called to post something, don't post it. But um, when I tried to go for more quantity, I started to just kind of have fun with it. I stopped being such a perfectionist about it. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, let it rip. And it was some of those, like that, that one talk, I was like, what should I talk about today? 
It's like, oh, I just talked to this kid on the subway. Maybe I'll share something about that. And I recorded it and I shot it out there and I had no idea it was going to do so well, but it, it really, you know, it had maybe five, 6,000 likes in, uh, you know, uh, a couple, um, couple hours or maybe a couple of days, I think, but still it was, you know, far better than anything else. And, um, so just trying to have fun with it. Um, I mean, the other thing I did was I tried to find other pages that, my target audience was already following. So finding those kind of, uh, you know, meme accounts or other inspirational accounts, like let's say you're uh, for, you work with personal trainers or you work with nurses, right? That's a niche that some financial coaches work with. What pages are they already following? And could you even, you know, work out a, a, a sharing on their page? Sometimes they'll let you pay for it or just featuring their stuff on your page and tagging them, maybe they'll tag you back. So trying to find other ways to get your content in front of other eyeballs that aren't just your audience. That, that was really helpful. I want to come back to that, that idea, yeah. idea having other people share, uh, but, or tagging other people and them, you know, tagging you back type thing. Yeah. The, but before that, one of the things that you um, that you mentioned is this idea of quality and quantity. Yeah. And I think that in addition, it's not just about putting a lot of stuff out there. And I think that's a mistake that people made and you make is I, I have to put a lot out there, right? And something that you said, I think is really important that will feed into the conversion conversation kind of in the second half. And that is, you said it's easier to be myself when I'm not as focused on quality. Mm, yeah. And I think that's something that a lot of people don't realize is that when you sit there and you edit and you refine and everything else, you edit out your voice. Mm, right? Yeah. You turn it into this thing that is museum quality, but no one plays with the toys. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And it, it loses its humanness. Yeah. And yeah. I, it needs that. Sometimes I'll record something so many times and I'll get frustrated. And then like, it's like almost out of my frustration and my, I like stop trying to be perfect. And I'm like, I'm just going to fucking do this and get this out there and uh, whatever, you know? And then that's kind of when the best stuff happens. I find yeah. 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 And so I think that that's a, that's a really key thing. And it, it, you said, you mentioned also this with regards to niche is it's easier to be yourself when you're talking to a niche, because especially with you, that you resonate with that niche, you don't have to worry about, oh my God, what if someone sees my tattoos or what if someone, you know, so you're, yeah, you're how to artists who the hell care. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Right. And I think that that's a, a really important thing for people to get comfortable with is yeah. just the idea of perfection is oftentimes imperfect is oftentimes perfect. Yeah. And, right. you know, speaking more to that is like, I, I think something that really helped me grow my audience is that I posted a lot about the times that I wasn't good with money, the mistakes that I made, the feeling of feeling out of control with money and how I could really relate to that. And I, I think that was huge because then my audience could see like, oh, wow, Ryan, he's like me. I'm like him. And if 
if he can do it, I didn't make myself like superior than my right. audience. I didn't make myself like, I'm a financial coach and you're over here and I'm over here and you need me. I was just like, yeah, sometimes I mess things up too, but I, I've actually built a practice of you know working with money, being comfortable with money, having systems in place. And it's given me so much freedom in my life. And so it was just, I sort of brought myself down to their level. And I think that that level of relatedness was, was huge. Yeah. And that's one of the challenges when you're doing, when you're not speaking to a specific audience is it's hard to be at that level of relatedness because you don't know what you're relating to. Yeah. Right. Um, and when you try to be relatable to an imaginary or to everyone, the, the relatableness comes off really fake. Yeah. 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 Um, so what other things did you find was really helpful? Well, I was actually just thinking of something I found that it was not helpful. <laughs> that works too. Um, so it, I'll, I'll try to talk about this in a couple. So obviously as a financial coach, I want to like share these like financial like <clears throat> insights, let's say, or numbers or things, uh, you know, that, that I think are really cool, but mm -hmm. my audience That's actually it. doesn't. And I didn't think that like, I, you know, I, I like to talk about retirement and investments and stuff like that. And, you know, you have to walk that fine line, obviously with the investment stuff, but like talking about compound interest and like how that works. And I was like, oh man, people are going to be so stoked to see this table of compounded interest. And if you only put this much in based on the historic return, you would get, and it was like crickets. And I was yeah. like, damn. And, but the, it was funny too, is like people ask me, Cause I, I, so I, I'm very active in my DMS. That's another thing that I'll talk about in a second, but, um, people ask me, they're like, Oh, I want to see you post more about retirement stuff. But then I post about retirement stuff and like it's crickets. And I, I realized that it's at the end of the day, I need to get, I need to convey the information either in the form of a story that I'm telling like through video or, um, or, or written, like if I'm writing out copy for a post, like I'll do slide posts. So this is another point. It's like lots of different forms of content, stories, mm -hmm. slides, reels, live, like using all of the tools that it has available is super important. And I struggled with this for a while and I've gotten a lot better at it. But um, uh, the, the way I write about things, I try to, here's what I try to do. I try to put the pain point in the front of whatever mm -hmm. post. So whether I'm talking or writing or whatever it is, pain point is up front. I talk about the pain point and then I put the fork in and I twist it. So really like talk about not just why it's painful to not get a, you know, have a handle of your finances, but then like the impact that has on your life. How can you, I always think about like, where's the twisted, where am I pouring salt in the wound? Right. And yeah. again, this isn't to like make people feel bad. It's to, because people avoid this stuff. They, they're ostriches a lot of the time and they don't even want to look at it, but then they'll see it and they'll be like, oh yeah, mm, I know, I feel that. And then I talk about the solution. And so that kind of structure I think is huge, especially in a three second attention span world. If you bring your immediate attention to the pain point uh, and then talk about the solution, that is often uh, just a good format for content in general. And, you know, Emily asked, 
what percentage of your time do you spend in social media? And I want you to answer it two ways. Okay. The first way is when you were building your business, what percentage of your time did you spend in social media? And now what percentage of your time do you spend? Um, when I was building my business, or you say the number of hours per week, Yeah, number of hours, I probably spent maybe like somewhere between four and eight hours a week making content and posting content. And then I probably spent about one, about an hour a day messaging people and um, either messaging people that followed me and Mm -hmm. starting a conversation with them or messaging people that didn't follow me. I did a lot of cold DMing in the beginning. Yeah. And I saw a very, very low percentage of people that would even respond to me. But again, because I was in a specific niche and because I I wasn't like Chad from Fidelity in a blazer messaging a tattoo artist, I was another tattoo artist messaging a tattoo artist. I, I did see some return. And that was how I got some of my first clients was through cold DMing. And building those relationships with people. And it wasn't immediate. And I wasn't like jumping down their throat to sell. Um, I, I, I probably was a little bit more aggressive than I am today. I, I try to build more of a, a warm up now mm-hmm. in the way I have those online DM conversations. But yeah, probably four to eight hours a week of creating content. And then uh, about an hour a day, give or take, of messaging people, having conversations, inviting people to book free calls with me. And that was the route that I went. I've, I've been in, you know, seen coaches say, oh, don't, I don't offer a free call. And I do. And I, you know, for me, that worked to offer a free hour long call because then on that call, I could create a gap between where you are and where you want to be. And it's creating that gap that shows the value of what I have to offer. And my coaching ain't cheap, but it's really valuable. So, you know, if you want cheap coaching, go somewhere else. That's fine. That's no problem. But my coaching is not cheap. And it's extremely valuable. And I think for the value I offer, I have no problem charging. You know, we charge forty five hundred paid in full, fifty five hundred if you do a payment plan. And um, you know, we're selling twenty people a month, so we're we're doing six figures a month right now on average. Yeah, yeah, which is awesome. Which is amazing. Yeah, yeah. And now the margin is probably a lot. You know, we we ha- I hired a full team. I have a copywriter, a video editor, a COO. I have an appointment setter now. So you said, how much am I on Instagram now? I have someone that their sole job is having those conversations. And he has yeah. two to 300 conversations a day to, to get, you know, how, how do you book 20 clients a month? I'm having two to 300 conversations a day, not with 300 different people, but like, uh, or, you know, not, yeah, just engaging with two to 300 people in a day. And now we might, that conversation might go over a couple of days or we might follow up in a week, you know, um, but that's, that's the level that it takes to, to have that many clients is to scale to that level. You, you can look at it this way, whatever your following is on Instagram, probably 3% of your following is ready to buy from you. Right. So yeah. And there, there's been a lot of studies on this and I've worked in, in programs where they, they really, you know, did their, their research. Um, so about 3% of your audience it's probably ready to buy for you depending on on your audience and your content and all that but uh so you have to have a lot of conversations and then the another maybe 50% is like 
sort of lukewarm where they may buy from you at some point in the next six to 12 months, you know? And so the whole point of content and messaging people is to warm up the cold leads to warm leads, the warm leads to hot leads, and the hot leads convert to clients. And that's often how I think about it. So I get people that sign up now that saw me a year ago and they were like, yeah, when I first saw you, I was like, who is this guy he's talking about? But, you know, they, they warmed up, they warmed up and eventually the popcorn kernel popped and they became a yeah. client. And I think that that is a nice transition into the idea of the a challenge of conversion. Right? Yeah. Because you, you see this a lot, a lot of people very early in their business, they will say, well, I've posted like 12 times and I've written four blog articles and yeah. still haven't gotten any clients. Or you'll see the quote unquote experts say, hey, here's the seven social media posts that you need right. and the five and write these five blog articles on these topics and you're going right. to get clients that way. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And you know, talk a little bit about, you've already kind of mentioned it. I'll recap what you said, and then you can expand on it, right? Yeah. But talking a little bit about what it actually takes to have an audience to build it to scale and then to actually convert those. So you're talking a year worth of content from what you've said, an enormous amount of content uh, every single week, right? Yeah constant conversations, direct messages. You have, I believe you said, not including the content creation, because there's a couple of people on your staff for that. Right. But two people on your staff for the follow-up conversations that happen. All right, I have an appointment setter and then I have an appointment closer because I don't take that many sales calls anymore. Yeah. I'm mostly leading the course and then working um, on the business itself. Yeah. Um, and, and that is what it takes to get 20 clients a month. And how large is your audience? Um, my audience on Instagram is, uh, like 18,000 followers, almost 19. Um, which actually comparatively, I have friends that they have coaching programs, not financial coaching programs, but there are other course creators that have courses that are three times the size. They're doing three times the revenue we're doing, um, mm -hmm. but their audiences are like gargantuan. And so there's actually this interesting thing that happens is the bigger your following gets, your, um, let's call them low quality leads, meaning people that are just not really in a position to invest in you. Maybe they want to, but they're just not financially able to or whatever the circumstances are. Your low quality leads are going to grow faster than your high quality leads. So if you go from 18K to, you know, 200K followers, that doesn't mean you have the same number of, uh, you know, high quality leads like yeah. per capita in a sense. And yeah. we, we realized that. So we, we had situations where we grew su super fast. Um, I'll also say podcasts, getting on podcasts, being a guest on other podcasts that my niche listens to was so huge. I'd say every podcast I was on, generated tens of thousands of dollars because of people hearing me and then getting, feeling connected to me. And when people see you, there was a study where they said, and I'm going off topic, but uh, that when people see you, I think it's on seven different occasions on four different platforms 
and consume a total of 11 hours. It's like the 1174 principle. And I could be mixing those numbers up somewhere in that. Uh, like that, that's on average, that person's like almost hundred percent going to buy from you when they've consumed that much in that way. Um, and so anyway, just pointing that out, but, um, so just doing a little bit of math. Yeah. Right. For, for everyone who's, who's listening, yeah. right. Just doing a little bit of math on a 19,000 person audience. Yeah. With four staff members devoted to the social media to conversion you are converting one tenth of one percent yeah per month 0.1 percent with an enormous effort toward it so for those that are listening that are thinking well i've got an audience of like 1200 why haven't i gotten a client yet yeah it's uh the math just isn't there to be able to get a client off of 1200 if you're posting, you know, twice a month and not. Right. Doing- you will, you will, you can get a client. Cause again, I but you can, like- can get a client. You're just not going to get them consistently. Yeah. 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 It, totally. Totally. And, and one of our big issues now is like, we, we, we keep hitting these plateaus of growth and trying to readapt and refigure out. And <clears throat> the, um, the bigger you scale, the bigger the difference is when you tighten up those little cracks in the system, the little, so like the conversations, the way we have conversations with people in uh, the DMS is very unique. And I'm constantly, so even though I have someone that does it, I'm the one that's curating those conversations and, you know, helping him, you know, say, okay, well, if someone says or asks this type of question, let's go with this timeline. And, and this is, yeah. this is something I'm going to talk a lot more in depth on, uh, on the call on Saturday of yeah. like how we actually go about building that gap because it's, it's, it's psychology, it's all psychology and it's, there's a science to it. And when you, uh, pull those psychological levers, it really motivates people to take action. Um, and, and, you know, for, for the good, we're not like manipulating them and doing things that, you know, we're, we're changing lives. Yeah. And, um, but yeah, it's it's a lot of psychology to to convert the audience to uh, clients. I would say it's it's nothing but psychology, really. At the end of the day, that is ninety percent of marketing. Yeah, psychology. yeah. A um, couple of quick questions, and we'll let you go. Yeah. So uh, first, and so Stephanie asked, how many coaching sessions are included in your program? And then there's a follow-up question. And I'm going to ask, I'm going to ask my own follow-up question. So how many ses- coaching sessions are included in your program? So I lead five group calls a week, uh, two on Monday, one on Tuesday, and two on Wednesday. They have different topics. We have systems, uh, taxes and bookkeeping is on Tuesdays, and then uh, mindset is on Wednesdays. So if someone signs up, they could theoretically come to five hours of group coaching a week if they wanted to. But we find that on average, the people that get the most out of the course come to one hour on Mondays, one hour on Wednesdays. <clears throat> and then they come to some of the, uh, the Tuesday, like QuickBooks uh, bookkeeping lessons. Yeah. Um, so they're getting two hours a week right there. And then they also get a one-on-one coach. So I have an assistant coach in the program and she meets with people usually 20 minutes either every week or every other week, depending on what they want. And um, so we give them that support. 
So, and then if they do need to meet with me, some people go through the whole course and they never meet with me one-on-one. Some people meet with me multiple times one-on-one, depending on what they need. And we've been, I've been trying to, you know, work that out. We're actually in the process of training another assistant coach. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, you know, trying to take more off my plate, but it's a good amount of handholding that they get. Plus they have the group chat feature in our online platform. So they can ask questions that get answered by either myself, my assistant coach, or one of the other group members, people that have gone through the course before, uh, you know, often will converse with each other and support each other in that. So yeah, that, I think that answers your question. And follow-up question. Actually, I'm going to make a follow-up statement and you can tell me if you think I'm full of crap. Okay. That should in no way be a model for anyone else because that is what works for your needs of your client. Yeah, totally. <laughs> I mean, I, 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 I was thinking the other day, I was like, it is the model that we created, like even the best model. Like, I don't know. Like it, you know, I don't know. It's, it's what seems to be working now. And so we're, we're doing it, but um, it works for the people that you have. And that's yeah. the important Yeah, right? totally. It yeah. works for the people I have. Yeah. Um, and then the second question that Stephanie asked was, how many different program offerings do you have? It's a good question. So we have one. Yeah. We have one I was going to be shocked if you said anything other than the number one. <laughs> yeah. We, we do have a sort of a DIY offer that we don't market. We don't promote it. It's sort of a downsell if we get on a call with someone and they aren't really yet a good fit for the full course we do have. And the whole intention of that is to get them in the position where they could do the full course. And then we'll credit the investment towards that to the full course, but we don't market it. We don't promote it in any way. And, um, it, it, it really is about creating the one offer because if you start to create multiple offers, the problem you run into is that your lower ticket offers could cannibalize your higher ticket offers. Yeah. And that's a very, and my business coach was very cautious with us when we decided we were going to have a lower ticket offer and the way we approach doing it. And that's why we don't market it. We don't, it's not public information that we have. Our prices in general aren't public. We don't post about it. Now, obviously we work with enough people now where there's probably people talking about it, I'm sure. Um, But yeah, we don't, we don't advertise we don't really advertise much of like what the course is. It's just sort of like, get on a call, come on a free strategy call. Let's get you a strategy. If we can help you, great. If we can't help you, too bad. No, uh, we'll point you in the right direction. Um, yeah. yeah. No, I like the idea of just too bad. I mean, I, th- I think maybe not for you, but that could work really well for someone. So I say that to people on my sales calls. When I take them, I say, you know, look, at the end of this call, if we can help you, great. You know, we can talk about that. If we can't help you, you're fucked. <laughs> yeah. Nothing you can do. And I, they always laugh when I say that. So like, right. it just lightens the mood and, you know. It's- but that's the important thing of having a niche because your niche is much, uh, much, much higher percentage of them are going to respond positively to that yeah. comment. And Once joke. in a while, I'll get a weird little vibe. I'm like, maybe if I say that, it might bother them. And so I don't, but like 99% right. of the time I say the exact same thing on every call. Yeah. And, and yeah, and they, it lets their guard down. They're just yeah. like, you know, and so whatever that is for you in your niche, trying to find those little things that make you feel more approachable, make you feel more like a real person. Uh, yeah. You know, like they're talking to their friend about money, not some authority. 
Yeah. And that's the beauty again of having a niche is you said 99% of the time you don't get that vibe. If you were talking to the random public, you're, you'd be getting that vibe the vast majority of the time. Yeah. Like, stop you yeah. making the joke because you'd start to think everyone was going to get offended by it. Yeah. Right? So like we did, uh, I did a webinar the other day and um, webinars have been a really great uh, free webinars, really great client acquisition tool. Uh, we booked 30 calls in one hour of work. Great. Uh, yeah. One webinar booked 30 calls with potential clients. And our close rate is about 30 to 35%. So we can assume oh, we'll probably be. get about nine clients from having yeah. 30 calls. Um, and I, the presentation, I talked about money systems, but I related it to tattoo machines and how when you run energy through a tattoo machine, if the system isn't efficient, energy escapes the system. And the same thing goes for your money systems. And, uh, you know, again, most of the audience was tattooers, but we totally had a lot of people on there that were not tattooers, but anyone could relate to what I was saying. You didn't have to know how a tattoo machine works to get the concept of what I was saying. And that metaphor was, I think, useful for everyone and anyone. So again, it's like when you're speaking through the lens of I'm talking to this specific avatar it's still going to resonate powerfully with people adjacent to, and, you know, just outside of that niche for sure. Yeah. And if it doesn't resonate with them, they're not your ideal client anyway. And that's cool. They're for someone else. So exactly. there's no problem, no harm, no foul, you know? Yeah. And then Emily had a question, but I'm going to save that for Saturday. Cause it's a more appropriate okay. question for Saturday. Great. All right. Cool. Well, thank you, Ryan. Have a wonderful weekend. And I am going to go take my kids to swim lessons. Excellent. Have fun. Thank you, everyone. You're feel free to message me or something like that. I, I try to stay present if anyone has questions. Um, but yeah, cool. And follow me on Instagram. And I started a podcast too, if you want to take a listen. Uh, the Artful Dollar. You can find it anywhere. Um, yeah, enjoy. Perfect. Cool. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Financial Coaches Network podcast. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe so you'll be the first to know when new episodes are released. Uh, it also helps iTunes and everything else know that you liked it and suggest it to other people. And if you can think of one person, a financial coach or someone aspiring to be, who would connect with what we talked about today, share it with them as well. If you're ready to take the next step and build your successful financial coaching business, FCN has turnkey resources to help you get clients, work with clients effectively, and run your business efficiently. Head to Financial Coaches Network backslash start here or Financial Coaches Network backslash stall there if you're Sean Connery. Thank you again for listening and we'll catch you on the next episode of the Financial Coaches Network podcast.